Well, more market enthusiasm today with new highs for shares again, although the mood is a little more restrained than yesterday. Some of the positivity comes from the US-China trade talks. Maybe they're moving ahead, but consumer confidence has taken a hit in the United States. That's not all good news. It must be those people without big shareholdings, perhaps. And the outlook is a little more positive in Europe, too, where the IFO survey, the Business Climate Index for Germany, came in higher than expected. The number of cases are easing in Victoria, so when will the economy get back on its feet? It's Wednesday, the 26th of August, 2020. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar is down 0.3% on the uh, DXY, back like old times. Uh, US equities are pretty mixed as well. The Nasdaq is up 0.7%. Another day, another new high. A chunk of that is a 1% rise in Microsoft. Similarly, the S&P 500 is 0.2% up, which has been helped by a 3.5% rise in Facebook. And the Dow down a quarter percent. That includes uh, three quarters of a percent fall in Apple and a 3.1% drop for ExxonMobil. The Aussie dollar is up about 0.5%. The euro up 0.4%, the pound up 0.7%, and the US dollar has gained 0.3% on the Japanese yen. Now, bonds are a bit choppy today. Three basis points added to 10-year treasury yields in the United States, six points added to 10-year bonds in Germany, eight added in Italy, five basis points added uh, for 10-year gilt yields in the UK. Aussie 10-year yields are up three basis points points to uh, 0.88%, down four basis points in New Zealand. And WTI crude up 0.7%, gold coming down, losing 0.3% for COMEX. Uh, this morning it's been the lowest level for for this month so far, but really it is equities and bonds that are the significant movers today. David DeGarris is here, Direct Economics for Markets at NAB in London. So big moves higher in bond yields mm-hmm. and uh, very choppy equity markets today. Yeah, it was very choppy today, Phil. Uh, early on, it looked like um, we were going into a bond market correction. Mm. And, um, you know, we've been talking about yields between 0.5 and 0.6 on the US 10-year Treasury and, you know, pushed up through 0.6. Well, they pushed up through 0.7 today, so earlier in the day. So uh, 71, 72 um, basis points. Uh, and that seemed to put the skids under a positive start to uh, to local equities here in London and US futures, and uh, looked like you know in the middle of the session that, that that was setting the pattern. So we saw yields up sharply. The sort of yields you were talking about, as far as European bonds, sovereign bonds are concerned. Mm. Um, but things have settled back since then, um, and um, so we've what, got uh, US equities, you know, sort of. Yeah. Um, back in the green again. Well, I guess the realisation is, isn't it, that for bonds, it's just very hard to make money out of bonds right now. Yes, and and and, and I think that the most difficult thing there is, you know, there seem to be two big divergent camps there. I mean, are we in for, for a protracted period of deflation? Mm. Uh, but what about the huge amount of stimulus, uh, this huge supply of bonds that's coming down the pipeline? Yeah. Will that be absorbed by investors? Will it become inflationary? We have seen inflationary expectations still kick up a little bit higher. So the U.S. Uh, you know five-year five-year forward inflation swap is um, pushed up over two percent now. So yeah. just seeing that divergence and that just markets having trouble digesting all of those views right now. And I guess there's a bit of anticipation as well, isn't there, ahead of Jackson Hole as to what might be said there and what you know how that might impact demand as well. Indeed, indeed. So a lot, lot of you know the markets after clarification about, you know, how hot the, the, the Fed will allow the economy mm. uh, to go, you know, to get inflation back to target. And, of course, 
a long road back for employment ahead. So equities, I guess, part of it as well is that the, the trade talks between the US and China do seem to be moving forward a little. That's uh, had some impact, hasn't it? Both sides see progress and are committed to taking the steps necessary to ensure the success of the agreement. That's the official line from, mm. from Robert Lighthizer's uh, office, the mm. US trade representative. Uh, so, I mean, we know there's never going to be a phase two, but phase one sound, it sounds like, well, it's not going to be backtracked on, which is the best we can hope for. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but even though President Trump is placing restraints on uh, on Chinese companies for other reasons, yeah. I mean, the market seems to be and, and, and indeed, that wasn't raised on mm. the Chinese side either. So, I think the mood there is that let's just put that one to the side to one side until after the election. And yeah. I'm sure that the Chinese are happy to do that right now as well. So, look, a bit of backtracking over the optimism of treatments that buoyed uh, markets earlier on the week. Maybe, again, that's why there's a bit of uncertainty. The uh, the FDA has apologised for overstating the benefit of the convalescent plasma, uh, which is, mm. of course, being tested in other countries, and there's doubts about how effective mm. it is. So they're sort of back, backtracking a bit there. There was uh, basically, they, of course, they copped that flack from the president over the weekend, and they said, we feel broader use of plasma will truly benefit many patients, but will require further study. So that's not yes. a sudden rushed approval, is it? That's further yes, well, study well. that they're talking about. <laughs> yes, well, um, that and, of course, uh, all the you know political urgency over vaccines. I mean, mm. the, the reality is, we all know, Phil, is these things take time. The last thing they want to do is rush in a vaccine before it's properly tested. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the side effects, you know, take a long time to be known. So, uh, you know, you need to go through those trials properly um, and, yeah. and to do it rather than rush it in and make up the situation even more uh, worse. So a bit of a reality check, perhaps. Now, look, the, the German IFO came in at 92.6 in August. That's the, uh, the the business climate index, up from 90.5 last month. That's pushed the euro up a bit today, uh, mm. which, I guess, mm. conversely weakened the US dollar dollar a bit. Uh, so this was, uh, you know, better than expected because there, there was some uncertainty about which direction Germany was going. Indeed, indeed. So, you know, Germany's infection numbers have been pushing up recently, Phil, and they've been doing mandatory testing of returning travellers, and now the health minister there is talking about, well, should they be doing mandatory quarantining of returning travellers? So there's a sense that, you know, when the PMI came out on Friday, that maybe that sort of news is catching up with the service industry in Germany. But that wasn't uh, evident in today's IFO survey. In fact, the survey said that it continues to show improvement, markedly more positive, and service companies decidedly happier. So a little bit of balance there after the PMI on Friday. I mean, mm. what is what, what is the truth there? But um, mm. Germany and Spain have certainly got some issues to deal with as far as the uh, the virus is yeah. concerned. So well, still very much out there. Fourteen hundred cases a day at the moment is the seven day moving average, which is about a quarter of the peak that they had in April, but an average of only five fatalities. Which uh, it's been the same in the UK as well, hasn't yeah, it? It has. In fact, almost everywhere now, apart from those places, you know, apart from places like India, which are obviously having mm-hmm. a major uh, uh, raise in numbers there. But you know, we've, we're going from saying, well, okay, the US is over the worst of it, then Europe is struggling mm-hmm. now. Now we're now it's almost looking the other way. So those German iPhone numbers came out showing some encouraging signs. The conference board in the US, their consumer confidence survey for August, well down, 91.7 in in July this is, uh, down to 84.8 in August. 
Um, so I get this is lack of government stimulus, isn't it, that's driving this? You, you would expect so. And it's always, it tends to be regarded, Phil, as um, a barometer of uh, consumer perceptions of the, the labour market. And that was also evident in, in the survey today. So, you know, they, they, they ask people, what is your perception of whether jobs are plentiful or mm. hard to get? And that, and that measure took a turn for the worse yeah. uh, in, 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 in August. So, and we saw, you know, last week, you know, weekly jobless claims were up and we're wondering about, was that just a, a one-week wonder? But, um, you know, we've seen, you know, that, that well, here we are, late August, and, of course, you know, the additional support for unemployed people finished um, at the end of July. So yeah. there are those concerns out there, and that seems to be present in today's numbers. So. I think the market will be looking pretty closely at this week's uh, jobless claims numbers as yeah. well on Thursday. Yeah, absolutely. 20, 25% said jobs were hard to get. 22% said that jobs were plentiful. So, uh, yeah, more finding it hard than finding it plentiful, which again gets back to this idea of a K-shaped recovery, doesn't it, where some are going up and some are going down. And those that are going up, well, we know what they're doing. Uh, they're buying houses up another 13.9% in July past the subprime housing bubble, basically. I mean, that was a, a lot more than uh, anticipated. All part of this COVID cocooning, perhaps. Yes, you, you wouldn't want to say it's back to the subprime level. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't. Would be, um, yeah, but... It is. Uh, time-wise, it is. Yeah, right? we're, we're certainly getting mixed messages, aren't we? Look, uh, Donald Trump, uh, I, I managed to convince him that uh, I'm a supporter of his. Of course, I sit on the fence being a journalist, but I've I've received seven emails in the last 24 hours uh, from Donald Trump and a further two from Eric Trump, most of them asking right. for money for his campaign. The last one, uh, giving me a code, by the way, if you want to get 30% off a Make America Great Again cap, right. uh, 2020RNC is the code well, when you're buying it online. That, 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 will, that will be a collective piece yeah, one uh, way or the other in the future. <laughs> it will be, won't it? Now, look, others, uh, other emails are promising that if, if Donald Trump is elected, he's going to eradicate the coronavirus. You'd be nuts not to vote for him on that basis, wouldn't you? And it makes me wonder how close this election is going to be, because certainly the Republican voters seem to be behind their president. A CBS poll uh, today showing 82% said they have confidence in, in Donald Trump. Uh, so we're not going to see the Republican vote split in, in, in any great way. And it looks like you know, I've seen other polls yeah. showing that Joe Biden is now below 50%. Yeah. So it's still, this, the race is still on, isn't it? It is. It is. And uh, I was looking, looking at the same poll uh, and today, and, and uh, Joe Biden has a net unfavorability rating. Not, yeah. not nearly as high as the president, but um, net unfavorable. He's... Um, so this is very much about Trump, isn't it? And two-thirds of Republican voters uh, think that the official uh, figures, this is the CBS poll again, the official uh, fatalities from the coronavirus are over-reported and the actual number is smaller than the 180,000 that are showing up in the official figures. So as so long as he keeps on arguing that case, mm. uh, maybe he'll do well. Meanwhile, those case numbers in Victoria are sliding. Let's look at home. 184 yes. cases reported yesterday. That is less 148, than... 148, wasn't it? Not 184. Oh, 148. Okay. Yes. I'm numerically dyslexic. <laughs> clearly. Um, but it's, it's less than three per 100,000 people compared yes. to, for example, 31 per 100,000 in the United States. Yes. So 10, t- 10 times less the infection oh, rate yes, in, yes, uh, yes. in Victoria. But Daniel Andrews, the Victorian Premier, wants to extend the state of emergency for 12 months. I, I just wonder how big the impact is going to be on the Victorian economy. Well, I think that is more that gives him the latitude uh, to adopt more stringency if he needs to. But obviously, this is, you know, contentious. 
but in any case, you know, on, on our estimates, Phil, given and what we're seeing from high-frequency data, um, the Victorian economy has probably been hit to the tune of about 15% with these lockdowns this quarter. So that's going to take something like 3% off national GDP. So um, even, th- if, you know, it looks like the infection numbers are going the right way, but it's certainly been a material effect. And some of the spillover on uh, sentiment and spending in some of the other states as well. Yeah, well, we'll see what it's doing to construction because we get the uh, the numbers for work done in Q2. Uh, maybe it won't be too bad. I suspect it will be, though, but uh, well, maybe we're not going to see the same extent of COVID cocooning that we've been seeing in the United States. In Q1, mm. uh, we mm. saw the, the, those that, that work done down by one, fall by 1.4%. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I think... Most people expect it to fall by about seven percent, but um, this number can be you know, out of consensus. But mm. um, you know, some falls no matter how far it falls. <laughs> This has become a shocking phone line. I think that's a sign that we have to leave it there. Good to talk. Uh, look, we've got the New Zealand trade numbers today. July's durable goods orders for the United States, and obviously whatever Donald Trump has to say at the, uh, the Republican Congress uh, today as well. But uh, we'll leave it there for now before your phone totally implodes. Good to talk, Dave. A shocker. Sorry about that. We'll, uh, we'll be back with much better sound uh, tomorrow morning with another edition of The Morning Call. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you then.